You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. He is 32 years old. That's only a year older than uh, Moses Madu. I mean, you, we can it's talk about... a year about... older than us, and could you imagine <laughs> doing that right now? <laughs> no, I Not can't. a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> I can barely roll out of bed somewhere. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Cura, joined by Brazilian Tide. And in Canada, it is Election Day. Did Brazilian Ty cast a vote? Uh... <laughs> Next question. <laughs> the Conservatives win my riding every year by a landslide, so literally my vote does not matter. Uh, second question. How's Grey Cup fit up going? Uh... <laughs> Next question. I had, Burger, I had Burger King for supper last night, but I did. I, I did get up early, or you know, early for a Sunday for me, and uh, went for a walk. So I'm almost through my Thanksgiving ham. Jeez, <laughs> dude, I've been trying. I've made omelets. I've made soup. I've. <laughs> But I, I don't understand. I don't understand how people have leftover ham ever. It doesn't make any dude, sense to me, dude. This thing was about seven pounds for two people. <laughs> I stand by what I said. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL fantasy and CFL pick'em, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. And pick'em.cfl.ca. The first game of week 19 was the Montreal Alouettes getting by the Toronto Argonauts 27-24. Much like their game in Touchdown Atlantic, the Argos just sort of give Montreal a bit of trouble here. But at the end of the day, the game, it didn't make a difference on the standings. It wasn't going to make a difference in the standings. Uh, Kahari Jones gave John Bowman the night off. He said he's going to be giving more veterans the night off as we just have two weeks left in the season, and they're going to be preparing for an East semifinal against the Edmonton Eskimos. So they do want to be healthy for that, but the Argos, they put McLeod Bethel-Thompson out there, and he goes 35 of 45 for 342 and two touchdowns. I don't know what more we can ask from this guy. I don't know what else we're going to learn from this guy. I was fully expecting we would see Michael O'Connor and or Dakota Prukop. We did not see them take a single snap. So it, it just looked like the Argos were still trying to win here. Why? I don't know. That, 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 that's a great great analysis. I, I don't get it. What's What's the point of trotting him out there you know what he is if he's your starter next year and that's set in, and that's what you've decided now then okay 
you can kind of treat this as an extended minicamp. But you still have to give Prukop and O'Connor some kind of look because if McLeod Bethel-Thompson goes down, which, uh, you know, if this year is any indication, distinct possibility, you have to yeah. know what you have in a backup. I think at this point there might be a good shot that McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to be their quarterback next season. Well, it's not going to be James Franklin. James Franklin is yeah. not going to be a starter on any roster next year. It'll be interesting to see if he's anywhere. Well, I, I, he, I don't know if he holds a clipboard. He'd probably throw. He'd probably fumble it too. So, <laughs> I think probably he might be a guy that would succeed in Winnipeg. No, behind a offensive line like that and a running game like that. That being said, not the most experience in the receiving core there. Um. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in Winnipeg next year. Either way, there's going to be maybe some intriguing moves at quarterback. Is Hamilton going to have Dane Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli? Is somebody going to be looking at Nick Arbuckle next year? There's going to be some interesting moves, I think. The Riders still haven't signed Cody Fajardo to an extension. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) (laughs) And there might be a quarterback, I think, coming available from Montreal, whether it's Schiltz or Pipkin. Well, who, who, I guess or Vernon, Vernon Adams. Adams. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some excitement in the offseason uh, at the quarterback position. But was this game just trying to get S.J. Green to 1,000 yards on the season? Because if that's what they're doing. <laughs> that's all Toronto has to play for now. And, you know, the guys that are playing for jobs. But I can't remember. I was listening to the game on the radio, and it was the Montreal uh, feed, and their color guy is absolutely brutal. But he's no – well, it's just because he's no Chris Schultz, right? Um, Nobody is, yeah. Yeah. I think – I want to say it was Toronto has started like over 50 players. That's like uh, Chris Jones' numbers when he first uh, arrived in Regina. Like, there's just... They've had no consistency to their starting lineups. And it just gets harder and harder to win when you're doing that. But, and like Henry Burr said last week, when it's a season like this, you're just... You're looking to hit milestones for guys and just keep morale up kind of that way. Uh, That being said, Montreal had a chance to absolutely destroy Toronto yeah. and maybe give Vernon Adams a half off, uh, you know, and get Pipkin or Schiltz in, get them a little bit of, get them some reps, but they haven't, they don't blow teams out. They just let they them like hang around. They like doing it the and, hard way. And with an offense like <laughs> Toronto, with an offense like Toronto has, where, you know, they have guys like SJ Green and Monty Edwards and Chandler Worthy out of nowhere, but McLeod Bethel Thompson's throwing for 350 a game, you have to put them away at some point. And then they just didn't do it. And so, you know, he's able to get S.J. Green his looks and Chandler Worthy, you know, literally 9 of 11 for 93 yards and a touchdown. If anybody had them in their lineup, I would be investigating them and looking in their emails and text messages because they would have had insider info. (laughs) What are you thinking of the double zero on the jersey? I love it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's better than showing up to camp and getting like a 73 because you know you're getting cut. Especially as a receiver, you're you're yeah. in trouble. <laughs> yeah. uh, Armani Edwards had eight catches for 77 yards. S.J. Green, nine for 83 and a touchdown. As for Montreal, 
I guess the leading receiver, well, was Devere Posey, four catches for 88 yards, but no other real big games uh, on the receiving side of things. Quan Bray had the touchdown. I assume he was in quite a few lineups, and that's the only thing mm-hmm. that saved his day. William Stamback got to 1,000 yards on the season, barely. I think by three yards, he had 11 carries for 49. But they gave uh, Jeremiah Johnson a lot of run as well. Nine for 43 on the ground. He added three catches for 42 yards and a touchdown uh, through the air. These guys almost have a pretty even split heading into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I thought William Stanback was going to have a massive year in the range of thirteen to 1,400 yards and just get the ball almost every carry. Part of the reason he's not is that they have a successful quarterback there, so they don't have to lean on him anymore. Uh, I mean, it is a 1,000 yards. Good for him. But uh, Jeremiah Johnson's eating into a lot of that production, but that's that's good, keeping him healthy for the playoffs, I think. And all that does is just hamper his fantasy value in in, in real in real life terms. It's very good for the Montreal offense to have two guys that can do what they've done. I mean, between them, twenty carries for ninety one yards or ninety two yards. That's that's not too bad. And no. you know, like you said, you're keeping the carries down on both of them. Jeremiah Johnson's no spring chicken. Uh but still producing and William Stanback, you know, not having to carry the load. Uh, as much keeps them healthy and you know can only benefit them in playoffs where you can kind of you can spell them off and get in packages that you want uh, in certain situations as well the cfl ended up unveiling a list for uh who's eligible for rookie of the year i think there's like 140 names on it uh or something like that it's going to be a really intriguing race i think for just about every single award this year rookie of the year definitely one of them i think antonio simmons for the owls is on that list there's just a lot of there's no runaways i find at any position anymore even most outstanding defensive player it it was willie jefferson around labor day he's been really quiet lately and we'll, I, we'll I, get to that we'll get to that when we get yeah. to that game because he was they didn't mention him except for the fact that he was quiet. I I really kind of think it might have to be Simone at this point. Oh, I would love for that to happen because it'll piss so many people off. Now, now Trey Roberson is hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Winston Rose, I guess he's got ten picks on the season. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. But all of these races are just intriguing. Um, I know I, I thought Herji Mayala out of Calgary would have had a shot and just because he was on offense, but Raheem Wilson has started every game at corner and he took over for Trey Roberson in this game, but because there's no interceptions, he's not going to get the recognition. Maybe for Rookie of the Year, not Most Outstanding Defensive Player. Yeah. All of these awards races are just, it's going to be tough for voters to figure it out, I think. Well, and I think... What also is going to throw a wrench into it uh, is disciplinary actions, and you know, I know. <laughs> when, you, when you look at when you look at MOP, Andrew Harris is going to be on the ballot. Are people still going to vote for? Like, it's there's a whole another story within the story, and like you said, every every award is just it's 
with two weeks, three weeks left, it's it's coming down to the wire. Jeremiah, I mean, uh, Vernon Adams did have three touchdown passes in mm-hmm. this one, uh, 249 yards. Uh, and they make it happen again at Percival Molson with the fans bringing out the cell phone lights and everything like that. It was fun to watch. I really can't wait to see what that crowd does uh, for the playoff game. Uh, I want to see that crowd really fired up there. Let's go to Vancouver, where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got by the BC Lions, uh, 27-19. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really a tight game at halftime, 12-9 Riders, and then a late touchdown, I think, kind of made it look a lot more respectable uh, than it was. But th- th- you kind of thought that the Riders still having a shot at first place would come out and play more like a first place team. I really didn't get that sense. No, they played like the riders. We have known since we were four years old and (laughs) played down to the level of their opponent and almost lost the football game. Yeah. I think that's probably a good way to describe it down to the level of their opponent right now. I think Danny O'Brien looked Solid, uh, okay, 16 of 24, 171, a touchdown and an interception. But then they ended up bringing in Grant Kramer, and he gets hurt and carted off the field. So O'Brien came back in. I thought it was interesting that they put Kramer in in the first place. Uh, The Riders really started separating themselves from the Lions in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's what it was, that O'Brien wasn't getting it done, or they just wanted Kramer to get some looks. And I remember in the preseason, he led a big comeback drive against the Stampeders. But now, I don't know how serious the injury is. Hopefully, he's ready to go by next year's training camp because he, he should have a shot to compete for the number two job there. I would I would think Mike Riley's... Uh, backup job is going to be up for grabs because, I mean, Daniel Bryan, the, thi- the thing with Mike Riley's backups is they don't get any time. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, Daniel Bryan is Mike Riley's version of Jason Moss where he just, he's there. He came with him to BC and he's just, he's just there. You know, when Ricky Ray was in Edmonton, Moss was just there. When, and then, you know, he, he's just, I just don't understand. The thing I don't understand is the CFL going to two quarterbacks when the injuries that we've seen this year, and I know it's going to put a lot of reliance on your backup quarterback next year to make sure that they're game ready and everything, but that's a lot of, oh, it just, I don't like it. But really, I, I think Mike, Mike Riley's backup job is going to be because he's going to get hurt again. He always gets hurt. And it's not on Mike Riley. It's just the way he plays the game. He he, he runs so much, or when he's able to. And, you know, his O-line this year basically got him beat up. That at some point, your backup's going to have to come in for Mike Riley. And you need to make sure that you have somebody who's ready to take the reins. It is a really interesting conversation. Because if Danny O'Brien came back and ended up getting hurt, then what do the Lions do? But the Lions had run with two quarterbacks all season long. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to pay their top guy 
the amount that they're paying him. So keeping <laughs> one not on the roster saves your team some cash. And that might be the thought of that uh, going into next season. Yeah. But <laughs> we, we, we really never saw anybody get down to their third stringers this year, which is actually kind of surprising. Well, I mean, I, I guess David Watford and Hamilton may be the most uh, used third string. At this point, after Masoli, yeah. After Masoli went down, so now he's he's getting a lot of short yardage carries and stuff. But yeah, other than that, none of the backups have gone down. Uh, you know, knock on wood, we still got some games left. But uh, the way the starters went down this year, it, we were just expecting it to keep happening. I think the only offensive player worth talking about in BC is Brian Burnham who had a three catches mm-hmm. for 72 yards, the one touchdown that counted, man, he fought to get into the end zone there. And then yeah. the one that didn't count, I think that was another one of those Brian Burnham specials where if they called it a touchdown and it got reviewed, it probably would have stood. But that it doesn't get any closer to him having the foot in. The one... Replay I saw, I saw no green between his foot and the sideline. So that tells me that he's that he's out. I I kind of thought he was in, but I mean it, I think, it didn't I think, count. I, and I I don't like how the refs never say, or I don't. Maybe I just haven't noticed it because I, I tend to kind of zone out when they go into review and just wait for the call. Uh, but, you know, there is a difference between call stands and call confirmed. Right. And I don't know if we've heard them say anything but call stands on any review. Yeah, I think that's all we have heard. So we don't know if there's no evidence or we don't know if they have conclusive evidence or what. So, uh, but in my eyes, he was out. So I, I have no issue. It was a hell of an effort, though. Like, I mean... There's only a handful of guys in, in you know in the league that can do stuff like that. I uh, found it interesting that Claybrooks had to challenge that anyway. Yeah, what happened? To, but potential scoring plays is that only at the goal line? I don't know because that was a potential scoring play, <laughs> right? So I don't know if it's just for the ball crossing the plane or if it's for catches. I'd have to. I'll, I'll. I'll have to look it up. But I think it might just be for goal line plays. William Powell had 15 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. But Naaman Roosevelt was the leading receiver for the Riders. Seven catches for 106 yards. That is his first 100 yard game in a while. But it seems over the last few weeks, that is the guy that Cody Fajardo mm-hmm. is looking to in big moments and needing a big play needing a first down, and Roosevelt is making some really tough catches. Uh, he's going into no man's land a lot, and he's getting it done. Mm-hmm. And that's been his M.O., is making the tough catch uh, and you know helping the offense convert second downs and move down the field. And now that Cody Fajardo is even more comfortable in this offense, he's starting to look to other guys, and now we're seeing somewhat of a resurgence for Naaman Roosevelt. I think so, and yeah. Right, and you look at a guy like Kyron Moore, five of five for thirty-five yards and a touchdown. I mean, not not the same day, but I mean, still a huge part of the offense, putting points on the board, and you know, able to spread the ball. William Powell got involved, like you said. 
and I know we're this is week nineteen, and Cody Fajardo has been in since Colorado went down. But I mean, it does to just hop into an offense. It does take a while. Uh, you know, there's going to be it's going to be little nuances and little wrinkles that you know he's still got to work out uh, as he becomes as he plays more and more. He'll just get more comfortable, and we'll see games like this from guys uh, who we've seen in the past. What did you think about that roughing the passer on Luches Purifoy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that was uh, that was a rough one. <laughs> I, 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 guess, <laughs> I choose not to incriminate myself. I guess he didn't need to bump into him, but uh, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean. I'll be honest, when I played hockey, if I had a chance to hit the goaltender, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I think a lot of guys do or did. Right? And like not lower a shoulder into him, but yeah. bump him, you know, bump him, crowd him a little bit, make him uncomfortable and it's the same idea. Uh but they there's such a precedent on protecting the quarterbacks that, you know, the officials are pretty flag happy now. I have I have I have like a stat of the week. Oh, what is I find your stat it, of the week? I find it hilarious. Okay. So, BC had 189 yards passing and okay, 73 yeah. yards rushing. Their net offense was 189 yards. Every yard they gained from rushing was lost on sacks. Wow. Or, or, or you know, tackles for loss. <laughs> That's something else. So, you know, if you take away, if they were able to stop the sacks and they didn't run the ball at all, it would have been the exact same offense. And Charleston Hughes did not have a sack. So mm-hmm. the, the the rest of the defensive line and defensive front in Saskatchewan is uh, producing. And Solomon Elamimian, who... I think some people everywhere. at the beginning of the year were saying, well, this was a wasted signing, a lot of it because he was hurt. But now it just looks like he's never missed a beat. The guys, mm-hmm. he can actually have 100 tackles on the year, which considering the fact that he hasn't played the entire year, that's mind-blowing. That's insane. He was He's, he's your typical middle linebacker. He is just everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, rallies the back football, in. and he's just so fun to watch. He was so involved with the CBA negotiations that he really mm-hmm. didn't have much time to get up to speed before the season started. And there was talk that this might be his last season. I really hope it's not. And I hope that the way he's played and the way the defense has played lately really wants him to come back for another year or two or three because I think he's one of the all-time greats that we've lo- that we've watched at that position and- in the league. And if he if he retires, then we're stuck with Sam Hurl. <laughs> There's that. This episode of Tune Out is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Uh, it's really easy to choose uh, who you buy your energy from in Alberta because you get to choose. If you switch retailers, nothing changes about the delivery of electricity or natural gas to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, 
Find out the terms for leaving, and if you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. The choice is yours, and there's a better deal available to you. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Game three was the Hamilton Tiger Cats beating the Ottawa Red Blacks 33-12. This was another crazy game where Ottawa played Hamilton tough, especially in the first half. At halftime, they were mm-hmm. only down 12-9, but that included a blocked punt. That included an interception on Dane Evans, which, by the way, there probably should have been another one in the second half, and that was the sequence that really just turned things around for the Tiger Cats, which uh, Sherrod Baltimore picked off Dane Evans in the end zone, But then there was pass interference called on Brandon Banks. It sort of looked like he was the instigator on the play. What did you think of that call in the second half? I think they got it right. I just... I'd rather see it called than not called. Because if you don't call it, you're just opening up a can of worms. So then uh, the Ticats ended up scoring a touchdown there. And then, you know, a few plays later, Brandon Banks breaks a, you know, Mm -hmm. 60-yard touchdown and uh, puts the game on ice pretty much there. Sherrod Baltimore would have had that interception. And I think TSN did a story on him a few weeks ago from where he came from in Maryland. And you got to... You got to put out the effort to watch the story that they put together on him. It's really cool to see that he's really doing well and uh, thriving with the Ottawa Red Blacks here. The offense still not really thriving. Will Art 17 of 30, 112 yards. So it's it's crazy that they're able to keep it close as long as they did because I, I'm pretty sure that the Red Blacks only had, what, seven first downs? <laughs> but oh. it, was, it was all on the leg of Lewis Ward in this one, who ended up having a 56-yard field goal, the longest, or tied for the longest field goal in Ottawa CFL history. That little guy can make that ball fly, unlike Tyler Crepinia, which we saw could have tied the game for Montreal or Toronto at the end of the Montreal game came up short, man, if he had the Lewis Ward leg, he would have made that with uh, 10, 15 yards to go. (laughs) So last year I got Lewis Ward being the story. I mean, record setting was on fuego. The fact that we have to talk about him this year because the offense is so bad. It's just so embarrassing for the Red Blacks. Oh, it's because he was actually the star of the game. Because <laughs> he is their offense. <laughs> uh, and it just goes to show, like you can't you can't neglect special teams, right? Especially especially in this league. And like they brought it up in the Toronto Montreal game. You know, the kickers don't get talked about. They don't get talked to on the sideline. But more often than not, it comes down to the entire game being winning or losing being their fault or not. Oh yeah. They they get blamed when they're on the field for, you know, five or six plays a game. (laughs) Yeah. And, and Pat McAfee's even said it. Kickers are not football players. They're just kickers. (laughs) So I get it. 
but like you know if you're gonna and and I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on the kicker if he misses a kick because your offense should have been better. But as we see in Ottawa, without Lewis Ward, I don't know if they would have won a game. <laughs> they would have been shut out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dane Evans went 32 of 41 for 452 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. This was a weird 452 yards. Mm-hmm. It, it, he didn't seem dominant. And I know that's weird to say with the amount of yards he put up, but it it just sort of happened because there was that 60-yard touchdown to Banks. There was the 48-yard big play to Braylon Addison late in the game. Jalen Marshall. Tyrell Sutton. Had, yeah, he had a 40-yarder. 4 of 4 for 64 yards. Like That's all out of the backfield. <laughs> Jalen Marshall had a, a 50-yard uh, play as well. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all of these big plays add up and just add to the the yard total. But I'm not taking anything away from Dane Evans. The Ticats have 13 wins for the first time in franchise history. It's a special group in the Hammer. Yeah, uh, arguably the best team they've had since their back-to-back Grey Cup trips with like, when they had Danny Mack and all those guys. And I know the record's better, but I mean, I don't, I just. Don't know how those team how those teams lost any games, uh, you know. And Dane Evans to come in uh, when Masoli went down, and you know the Tiger Cats haven't really missed a beat uh, since he took over the starting or not took over the starting job, but got thrust into the starting role. Uh, you know, and thirteen wins franchise record right now. I can see it getting. I can see them adding one more. Uh, it all depends on what they want to do rest wise uh, and getting ready for the East final. Is there any reason why the Red Blacks didn't sign Tyrell Sutton at the beginning of the year? Uh, I'm guessing it was what I like to call the Dominic Davis disease, and they thought that <laughs> Moses Madu was good enough to be a starter in the CFL. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sutton's probably not complaining about having the rest. And uh, getting yeah. to play uh, in the most important part of the season for the the team with the most wins in the CFL, but 13 carries, 85 yards. The guy runs hard on every single mm-hmm. play. He almost had 150 yards from scrimmage in this one. It, and he's led the league in rushing before. He has. So we, he, we know that he is damn good. He is 32 years old. That's only a year older than uh, Moses Madu. I mean, you, we can it's talk only a about a year older than us. And could you imagine <laughs> doing that right now? No, I not can't. a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> I can barely roll out of bed some mornings. Oh, like how? How do you think you would feel after 13 carries in a CFL game? You'd be scraping me off the turf after the. First how many one. yards would you get? <laughs> You know how I brought up BC's net offense? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be about Minus 89? Oh, it'd be pretty I, Like, let's be honest. I'd get the ball. I wouldn't be running straight forward. I'd be running straight backwards so I wouldn't get hit. <laughs> uh, Braylon Addison actually had a quiet game. If it weren't for that 48-yard catch, oh, mm-hmm. a lot of fantasy people would be more disappointed. But Brandon Banks, seven catches, 116. The big one here, though, is hello, Jalen Marshall. 
four catches for 85 yards, including, I believe that was a wildcat with Braylon Addison handing the ball off to Jalen Marshall for the first touchdown for the Ticats. It was a five-yard rushing score. This might be a guy that's a hero over the last two weeks as the Ticats mm-hmm. look to rest a Addison or a Banks, and they're still without Luke Tasker. The news is so quiet on him. We don't I know think he's if done he's, for the year. That seems what it's – he's been gone forever. I think yeah, before and, and Labor we, Day. We usually say no news is good news, but the fact they're not even – it's not even a rumor that he might be coming back. Like there's not even a hint of it. So I just – I think that we're, he's going to be on the sidelines for the rest of the year. Uh, but when it comes to guys like Jalen Marshall – and even Jalen Acklin, the, the depth that they have at that position. I know. And, you know Dane, Evans, Dave, Dane Evans stepping up. Terrell Sutton coming in halfway through the year. The depth is why this team is where it's at and leading and has clinched East Division, setting franchise records for wins. And we see it in Calgary every year that we talk about the depth. Well, now there's another team that actually has it uh, and is using it. And like you said, this is going to give them the opportunity to give guys days off like they're doing in Montreal. Uh, you know, a veteran, a veteran day to keep them out of the lineup. You've already clinched. You know who you're playing. Uh, if you're Montreal, anyway, uh, you, you you know that these games. I, I don't want to say meaningless. Like you still want to get the reps, but you don't need to play every single game when you have it clinched. You can afford to give guys uh, days off and get other guys reps and keep everybody healthy. How about that Jalen Acklin catch when? Uh... <laughs> Dane Evans basically pitched it to him underhand, six feet above his head. <laughs> like, it's not even fair. It's not. It, that, that looked like a Harlem Globetrotters play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard the song in the background actually on the radio. <laughs> uh, how about that sweet, celebration, sweet Georgia Brown? Right, that's what it is. <laughs> how about that celebration from uh, Dylan Wynn? I don't know if I can get enough Dylan Wynn celebrations. Uh, they told <laughs> friend of the show, Marshall Tucker, who does play-by-play. Or Marshall Ferguson, sorry, who does play-by-play for Marshall the Tucker, man, Tiger. can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so Marshall Ferguson does the play-by-play for the Tiger Cats. Uh, they were doing their walkthrough. Walkthrough, no pads, no nothing. Orlando Steinhauer is the quarterback for walkthrough, half speed, Dylan Wynn got to him, slapped him on the butt, and did his dance in the backfield <laughs> at walkthrough. So he, he kind of had a feeling that he was going to get one this week. <laughs> and, okay, I know we give Rod Black a lot of flack, but a ravishing Rick Rude rip mention? Come on. Okay, so I was at work, so I only caught the radio broadcast and then like caught up on some of the highlights, so I missed it. Yeah, but if you can work in a ra- anytime you can work in any nostalgic wrestler reference other than Kenny the King Lawler because you seem to do it at will uh, <laughs> is is always a good thing. <laughs> Kenny the King Lawler, oh the Bombers fell short in Winnipeg, but Kenny the King had a touchdown. He's probably mm-hmm. their rookie of the year. He's yeah. their leading receiver. He'd be their most consistent anyways, for sure. And, yeah, like, Lucky Whitehead, huge drop-off since those first two games. 
Uh, I know. know. Darvin Adams hasn't been healthy. Uh, Drew Lotarski's not getting the looks he was before. And especially now with Chris Trevler in, he, the Hail Mary at the end of the game went 35 yards. And I wasn't surprised it only went that far. This is a fascinating game. With the Stamps only beating the Bombers 37-33. They almost screwed up my perfect week. <laughs> the Stamps, well, Bo Mitchell came out on a mission. Uh, I think his first quarter was 6 for 9 for 138 yards and three drops. I mean, he's throwing perfect balls, and then Mm -hmm. sometimes his receivers are putting them on the ground. And if those receivers figure it out, like the 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 Stamps have not had a completely dominant game all the way yet, and I I think it's coming. And that's the that's the scary part because the playoffs are almost here, and they they just seem to be running like a well oiled machine right now. But it was a bit of an adventure. Early on, with the Bomber defense keeping them in it. I know Willie Jefferson's been mm-hmm. quiet, but they're back forcing the turnovers, and that's what they need right now. Will, uh, Willie Jefferson, at one point, stopped rushing the quarterback. The The tackle was doing such a good job that he basically just pushed him off and backed up and just waited to see if he could jump and swat a pass down. Kind of read the play, yeah. Not even reading the play, just knew he wasn't going to get around him. Like, he he was engaged blocking and then got a hand free and pushed off and then the ball was out. Like, he just kind of gave up. It's wild how they limited him here. Like, oh, it's nuts. Like, nothing. He was just an average guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you can make Willie Jefferson look average, you're doing a hell of a job on your offensive line. Anti-Milanovic leader got the start here. And I was mm-hmm. a bit worried about my boy early on. There mm-hmm. was a there was a fumble, uh, and then Bo looked his way. The ball got away. There was an interception. Bo was coaching him up on the sidelines after that fumble. Yeah, and I'm like, uh oh, oh no, my boy is not looking good. And then he had a touchdown, eleven carries for forty yards. And you know what? <laughs> Against the bomber rust defense. Mm-hmm. I think he did okay. <laughs> well, I drank your Kool-Aid and started him too, so uh, I was a little worried at the start of the game. But, yeah, like you said, 11, 11 for 40, had the touchdown, uh, still added in some yards receiving, and he still plays a lot on special teams, uh, you know, which you need in this league. Yeah. Uh, I, there is a chance there that, you know, I don't we, – we don't know what the injury situation is going to be moving forward for Calgary, but I don't think they're losing much having him start the rest of the year and if he has to start in the playoffs. Because their run game hasn't really dominated this no. season at any point. And when you when you look at who they – when they have Bo, when you have Bo Levi Mitchell, Reggie Bagleton, Eric Rogers as your top two receivers, and then you add in guys like Josh Huff and Herji Mayala and uh, – you know, Richard Sindani, and if Kamar Jordan gets healthy at some point and is able to come back, and if Jawan Breskison uh, is ever healthy in this year or, you know, next year when he comes back, like, their receivers, you don't, you need a run game. Like, you're going to have to run the ball at some point. Uh, but their pass game right now is making up for a lot of shortcomings uh, rushing the football. Yeah, and especially with the amount of time that they're giving Bo in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I saw Leader lay some blocks on guys like Adam Big Hill and just give Big Hill or uh, Bo more time back there for 
Josh Huff to have six catches, 121 yards. Eric Rogers, three for 71. Reggie Bagleton has a hat trick, four catches for 62 yards. Oh, these guys are... They're moving the ball. They're making it happen right now. I think the turning point in this game was in the second half when Chandler Fenner had an interception in his chest and dropped it. I'm pretty Uh sure the very next day, next play, was like a 50-yard game for Josh Huff. And and the Stamps got the lead and the Bombers weren't able to come back because they can't pass the ball. And when you're... Trailing late in the game, you need to. We pass. don't know if they can't. We know, we know that there are guys on that team that can. Chris Trevler is not in that group. Well, we've seen we've seen guys other Chris, than Chris Trevler throw touchdowns. What What do you see wrong <laughs> with uh, Chris Trevler having four more carries than Andrew Harris? I see a lot wrong with that. And the Bombers were leading for a good chunk of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, if I'm being honest, I don't think Chris Trevler... I think Chris Trevler's first read is to run. Like, in a progression. I think yeah. his first option is always run. And not look for... Not, look, not go, you know, X, Y, Z, K, now I have to run. I think he's always think. I think he thinks run to start, and then checks down from there, which is not going to set you up for success. And it's catching up to him. Oh, one hundred percent. In this game, he took an absolute pounding. Dave mm-hmm. Dickinson talked about it, and they played the interview during the game. We're going to treat him like a running back. We're going to hit him should. low. We're going to hit him everywhere. I hope the officials understand that if he if and he's it, out of the pocket if he's out of the pocket and he's not going to slide hit the hit the hell out of him is that way teams early on when he got the starting gig were struggling to tackle him i think because they thought he was just another quarterback but i mean he's built he's built like andrew harris he's built like a running back he's a tank yeah, you you have to you have to hit him. You can't let him hit you. And Dave Dave Dickinson said that in the interview. He's so physical that you have to bring it to him because if you bring he's he's he hits people. He lowers the boom. You can't let him do that. And you know they didn't take a they they stayed pretty disciplined. They they were able to shut him down. And you know they they come away with the win. But I mean, for Mike O'Shea to come out and say that you know they don't need to figure out anything. The quarterback position a couple weeks ago, we knew that. You know, he was just talking out of both sides of his mouth because Strevler is not going to get them anywhere uh, in the playoffs. They might win a game, but they're not getting through Calgary or Saskatchewan in the West Final. Well, I think especially now with his health situation. Uh, Late Mm -hmm. in the first half, he ended up getting tackled, and then a a helmet basically sandwiched his hand into the ground. And, yes, it was his throwing hand. Uh, But the thing is, they have Kalaros on the roster. What happens if they start Kalaros? Who come? Who's like? If you're going to start Kalaros, you're basically putting you're going all in on McGuire at that point. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. They need to put all three quarterbacks on the roster for the rest of the year, right? One hundred percent. 
because Strevler is going to get hurt the way he plays. We know Kalaros is now injury prone or at least concussion prone. And, you know, let's say, let's say Strevler can't go the rest of the year until playoffs or something like that. If you're starting Kalaros, you're basically saying we're starting Kalaros and Maguire's ready because we're expecting Kalaros to be knocked out. Of the, uh, not not knocked out, like knocked out of the game. Can Lapalise devise a game plan that uses a tandem at quarterback? I think if there's an offensive coach in the league that can do it, I think it's probably him. And I, and I think with the offensive line they have there, they could. Uh, I actually think but, that they could keep defenses off balance by doing that because we've known that Strevler's going to run and he still makes it happen. You you start doing that, and it's basically two different game play, game plans. You you can't have a full playbook. You're going to have only at you know fifteen twenty plays that you can really get installed and 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 get to work on for each guy kind of thing. And defenses are going to start recognizing recognizing calls and formations and start shutting it down. I think you I think you have to go all in on one guy. Strevler was an absolute warrior in this one. He comes back in the second half and he's just peeling himself off the turf and mm-hmm. then in the fourth quarter it looks like his ankle oh it took it, it he got hurt bad and he hobbled off the field. Basically got it taped up and Sean McGuire came in and he missed Lucky Whitehead, Whitehead on a touchdown. By yeah. a step and a half. And he didn't even throw it. He was just a flick of the wrist. So it looked like, to me, this guy's got a beautiful deep ball that he can throw and he can mm-hmm. launch. And, you know, if Darwin Adams is healthy and they have Lucky Whitehead, there's two guys that can stretch the field and use a strong arm quarterback like that. So, yeah, if they connect on that play, I think the conversation is... Well, Sean McGuire should probably start against Calgary this week. Mm-hmm. In, instead, Strevler tells O'Shea, hey, I'm good to go. He puts him back in. And he, like you said, the, that Hail Mary traveled 35 yards. And who I knows? Can, I can throw that. Who knows how much that had to do with his throwing hand being hurt, his ankle mm-hmm. being hurt. Like, there's a lot that goes into a throw. <laughs> and, oh. and all like, of it I'm was sorry. hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry, but a 70% Chris Trevler can't start on, or, you know, can't be playing quarterback on any team in the CFL right now. Well, a, a loss this week, the, the Bombers can actually still get a home playoff game, I think second is the highest they can finish, but mm-hmm. they would need to beat Calgary and then have Calgary lose to BC. So it is asking I could, a, a lot. I could see Calgary losing to BC because I assume that's going to be resting everybody again. But I think Unless, Calgary, I think I think I think Calgary treats them like Goldie Eller next weekend and takes them out back because Calgary is going to want to keep pace, yeah, and, and and stay in first place. Oh, so it's going to be an interesting week at practice in Winnipeg. Uh, I, I think they made the right decision by not putting Kalaros in. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people saying that that's what should have happened. I don't know if they should have put. How much Strebler of the playbook does he really know right now? 
Yeah, there's that. Uh, Strevler, they put him back in there. O'Shea believed in his guy, and it just didn't work out when they really needed the passing offense to get them Mm -hmm. back into the lead. And now, yes, O'Shea is on the hot seat here, and I think he's feeling it. And this is where being loyal to players bites you in the ass. You, You don't have to be loyal to anybody. You have already paid them their money. They, if, if they're not performing, then it's time to cut bait and and look at look for somebody else. And I, I don't mean to cut Chris Traveler, but you know if you're gonna just blindly let him start games and not and and think that he's good enough to do it, maybe you aren't long for the coaching role because to come out to. Like, to come out and just keep st- starting him and he's putting up numbers like this and you're not getting wins? I, I know they've won games with him, but it's it's not going to get them very far. The Bombers lost by four and they had mm-hmm. 137 passing yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if all the... Like, they don't even need much... Do you know what I mean? If Shreveler doesn't throw two interceptions, well, I know one of them was on the on the Hail Mary. He doesn't need to do much. He only needs to be average. He needs to be Matt Nichols. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's not really asking that much. You need to be able to throw the ball seven yards accurately. Yeah. That's it. And he can't even do it, so... These Western playoffs are gonna be—they're gonna be fun to watch. I'm excited for it, man. <laughs> I just—it's gonna be so easy to bet on them too. <laughs> I still think if it's minus twenty or something, the Bombers can beat the crap out of you. Oh, one hundred percent. But the. <laughs> They they want the worse weather the worse weather the better for Winnipeg I think <laughs> they want they want what San Francisco and Washington had to play in on Sunday where it was the quickest game in the NFL in the last ten years it was two and a half hours all they did was run the ball yep and if if that's the game that's going to happen then Winnipeg I think will mm-hmm. beat you uh, every single time so I'm not going to count them out yet but this is. Uh, uh, this is going to be some physical football as uh, as the playoffs roll around in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll be back to talk uh, Pick'em and Fantasy. Alberta loves its forests and it shows. In the last 20 years alone, Alberta's forest industry planted and nurtured 2 billion trees. Strategic harvesting is helping slow the spread of the mountain pine beetle. Take that, you scourge of infestation. Oh, <clears throat> And Alberta's forest industry creates enough green energy to power four cities the size of Grand Prairie. If that doesn't power your heart in the process, chances are you need to learn more about your relationship with Alberta's forests. Go to loveabforests.com. All right, let's just say uh, we went 4-0 and pick them this week. I think a lot of people probably went 4-0 this week. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't have been too hard. I did have one perfect game where I got the score exactly right, like for nice. total points. So that was that was nice, uh, but I only moved up like one position in our pick'em pool because Neely's running away with it. Yeah, he's uh, is he still top ten or whatever? Man, they're like overall, I don't think so. But 
it's just we're not that far off. It's just it's, when I lose, I my bet is a hundred points, right? So I lose those. I don't know if he's going all out either. So it's not helping much. There is 95 people in the Two and Out CFL podcast Pick'em group on pick'em.cfl.ca. So join us on there and you'll be ready to go for next season. Who are the top performers in fantasy this week? Uh, Reggie Bagleton, 28.2. Chandler Worthy, uh, you know, 20, 25.7. I, I still don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> he's uh, got. He's a good player. Brandon, Brandon Banks, 24.6. SJ at 23.3. Uh, Bethel Thompson was the top performing quarterback at uh, 28.3. Vernon Adams Jr. at 26.4. Bull Levi Mitchell at 23.5. Uh, Will Arndt at the bottom there with 4.5. Uh, and I had nobody at my quarterback position this week. So and, did uh, it work out? It, it would have if Shaq Evans would have actually done something. Like I didn't lose, I didn't lose by much. What did you lose by in the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge? So I had to play Andrew from the Eskimo Empire, and he had ninety three point four. I had sixty seven point two. So I didn't even finish last. Uh, <laughs> but Braylon Addison, Eugene Lewis, and Shaq Evans put up like twenty five points between the three of them. Oh yeah, that hurts. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Oh, that does. So it's hurt. Uh, three straight weeks in the sixties for me. Because you could have had another week where those guys, you know, get thirty each. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I ended up beating uh, Brian from BC Lions. Then eighty-one point two to fifty-six. I'm tied with Ryan from Canadian Football Countdown for first, and we play this week, so that is going uh, to decide first place. So uh, I will text him all of the fantasy tips so that you will win. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> no, no. If I'm giving him tips, you know you're going to win. <laughs> yes, please text him all the tips. <laughs> <laughs> if you need tickets for any events, head to seatgiant.ca. Use the promo code APN. You're going to save 5% and support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process. Seatgiant.ca, Canadian owned and operated. It's all in Canadian dollars. Use the promo code APN. P.N. We only have two weeks left in the CFL season and then the playoffs before the 107th Grey Cup in Calgary. 2-0 Live is November 21st at Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack. It is sold out, but I do encourage you to reserve a table. You can still be in the vicinity and a sort of a part of the action, bookersbarbecue.com to reserve your table for November 21st. I'd assume about 3 p.m. Have your reservation for, enjoy some of that barbecue and two and out live and tie the two and out shirts. What's the status update there? Ordered uh, in the process of printing and getting shipped. We will have some extras. Uh, at the show, if people you know didn't get an order in or want to buy buy an extra one there, uh, and again, all the proceeds going to CFL fans fight cancer. Uh, and I also bought one for my quote unquote niece. It's like one of my best friend's kids uh, because you know I got to got to indoctrinate her into the CFL somehow because her dad watches the NFL 
all the time. So What's just size? trying just trying to brainwash. Like eighteen months. Then baby shirts? Oh yeah. <laughs> I could get my nephew one. <laughs> well you never asked. <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> it's always it's always an option. When the when your former co host had their first child, I bought them a onesie with a conservative logo on it because his parents vote liberal and I did it just to piss them off. Did you? <laughs> yes. 100 percent it's the only reason i did it i pulled a rod peterson and just went full troll oh that is funny <laughs> give us a, a rating and a review on apple podcasts we'll be back on thursday to talk week 20 thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter